what is really going on here? See, sometimes it takes a while for me to discover what the real issue is. Mm-hmm. When I'm feeling something, whether it's disappointment, anger, or anything, what that's telling me is that there's something going on here. I'm experiencing something. I'm giving meaning to this experience that I might not even have well articulated in my mind. Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety, the podcast. I'm I'm Tom Rutledge, uh, and I'm with uh, my my. What are your many things, Alan? Uh, you're my colleague. You're my friend. You're my brother, Dr. Alan Berger, and and along with that, uh, Patrick Newman, our producer, who has just become a part of our trio. Man, it's uh, like he, it's he, just he's, a, he's our adopted son. <laughs> grateful, grateful to be. He's our adopted well, son. We've taken, we've taken you on. <laughs> Bless your heart, Patrick. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, you'll be in therapy many years after. Oh my God. You think, yeah, you, you, you think the first you think the first time around was was difficult. Watch you wait till you see what we do with you. <laughs> oh. No, I always I always love being with you guys. Me too. Me too. God, you know, I you know, I I uh I was just talking to Jess before we got on today. The last two days, because we're getting that change into fall. You're experiencing that too, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, yesterday we got hit with a thunderstorm that the likes of which I've never seen. I was standing outside. I forgot what I was doing. I think I had just blown some leaves off the driveway or something like that. By the way, I never had to do much of that in los angeles <laughs> <laughs> but is it i, but I is didn't it even blow- have a leaf blower i don't yeah but, but well listen let's talk leaf blowers later because i've got one that i love all and, right, and all it's right. like i love blowing leaves i mean i'm, I'm out there i'm doing starting it all the time. To, i'm starting oh, to, i'm starting to find the joy in this I mean, oh it is it is it is absolutely pleasure yeah it, it's, <laughs> so i'm out there getting things set up and all of a sudden i feel this rumbling and I literally, I'm transported back to Vietnam when uh, a big wow. fire mission or the B-52s are dropping these bombs up in north. And we were, we were in, you know, in Da Nang, so we were pretty far north. We could, could feel, feel the shock waves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this lightning struck about a mile from the house. I could feel the air. The shockwave from the thing, and then the rumble went on for I swear at least three minutes. I've never heard thunder that loud and go on persist. And I'm looking up in the sky for B-52s. I mean, where did they just drop their bombs? Right, Alan, Alan's pile. He's 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 hiding under a pile of leaves. <laughs> I, had my, <laughs> I had my my assault weapon out. I was locked and loaded. Kids are going, Dad, Dad, no, I didn't get that. Bad. But and then. 15 minutes later, 
50 mile an hour winds came through the backyard. Yeah. It was swirling. And I thought, you know, I was in uh, Alice in Wonderland. No. Yeah. Alice in Wonderland. Right. With the mm-hmm. tornado mm-hmm. coming yeah, in. Yeah, and yeah. I was waiting for the house mm-hmm. to fall with the with the witch of the. the no, the, Wizard, Wizard of Oz. Oh, Wizard of Oz. You get those two I get confused. Those two I know. Confused. It's so too much LSD. I thought the house was going to end in the land in the backyard with the wicked witch of the east on, yeah. underneath the house. <laughs> It was a trip, man. But, but well, well, to, to quote to quote from there, uh, I don't I don't think you're we're in Los Angeles anymore, Toto. <laughs> I, think that's true. I think that's true. You know, when your moods kind of match up with other folks, it's like it's it's like the last the last couple of days have been tough for me. And I teach try to teach clients how what I know about this, which is, you know, how to know when when the thing to do is to let yourself go down and when, when the thing to do is, is to not kick yourself in the ass, but, 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 you know, plant that that boot on my ass and just, just gently, but firmly nudge myself to keep moving. And, um, somehow I woke up this morning and it was different. I felt, I felt better. It felt like I'd come through something. I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe I'll have that experience tomorrow, but I, I was thinking that we were going to go push to do something. And I told Jess, you know, I think I'm not going to push myself today. I think I'm going to just take it easy. Tom mentioned feeling good while you're feeling bad last week, something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, is that the, am, am I uh, bastardizing that or is that the quote? No, no, it's, it's, it's no feeling good. Uh, it can be a lot of things, but it's, but it's, it's, it's keeping, keeping the sort of, I think the, I call it the pan back kind of position on myself to, 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 you know, remember the whole history. Cause, cause when I'm, when historically, when I feel bad, if I've, if I have, a tough time or depression or, you know, or, or th- even such circumstances are difficult. Um, uh, that kind of makes that guy's historically, I don't think I'm a, a lone ranger on this. It kind of makes the, me forget the gratitude and not focus on, on that. And it's like, so I do want to do that. But the other thing is, you know, this is, you know, I really, I really just use the hell out of the the phrase, this too shall pass yeah. uh, and, and, and try to remember, but the, but, but the most important part of feeling good while you're feeling bad is to realize that the, the feeling good in that, in that particular state is really just, self-respect it's 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 about it's about you know i'm gonna measure myself more you know i like i like happy i like having a good time you guys know that it's like like i prefer you know being in a great mood but if i'm not it's like what i very consciously have shifted to and have as part of my daily practice is is am i doing what i'm supposed to do what what i have decided is best for me to do to take care of myself first of all that means is am i doing what i can to not let this overflow onto other people uh, because in the old days th- that would definitely be one of the first things that would happen is other people around me would, would uh, have to duck and cover. Uh, even if it was just for my energy, sometimes it wasn't even me saying anything. It was just me being, you know, that dark energy can come around. But the, but the other thing is just about self-care. It's like just, and this, this was a couple, this is a good conversation about that because, because that's, I think I did a pretty good job of, of doing that the last few days. And um and it's it's like this is today. This morning is kind of the reminder to myself that um, this, this this too does pass. And just that's kind of why I say you know you, you surf it, you ride it out, and get to the other side of it. Yeah, yeah. Thank well, you. I'm I'm surfing today. 
Yeah. I'm well, surfing today. I'm well, surfing. It may, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, but one of the things that happens to me, and there's no, there, I don't think there's a rule about this, but but I, I think probably all three of us have have reported in on this one before. Whereas whereas at the end of at the end of our spending time together on on these Sundays when we record, uh, I feel better. Yeah, me too. I, I have more energy. I feel, you know, I feel validated. It's, it's like it is, you know, and, and not always, but sometimes it is like a little mini meeting we have, like we're doing right now, which is, which is helpful to me. And you talk about surfing, Alan, um, this chapter, Discovering Novel Solutions in your book. Um, it's in large part, yeah, it's in large part <laughs> about strategies to cope with life. And yeah. so I've, I have a feeling you'll be digging into your strategy toolbox today. Well, I will be doing that. And, I, and I've got an anecdote for us. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted to start with that because this, to me, you know, we've talked about how a lot of this stuff is building on on the on the insight before it. And look, it's, it's just yeah. like the steps. I mean, even though we rank them from one to 12, you know, they they're, they are relevant at different points in our life, right? Like step 10 comes up at a certain time, and maybe you're back and, and looking at six and seven at some other point in time. So even well, it's like, it's I, like, the, it's like the, the image on your book cover that I love, yeah. which is a box of tools. Box of tools. That's, that's box. what those steps are. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 and I, and I want to say that, I mean, I think that a lot of what we've talked about really is building a new foundation, if you will, for our life, right? At a very different way of looking at our life, of thinking about our life, of conceiving the problems we're having. You know, I love the discussions that, that Tom and I have when we're working with a client. We always want to formulate the dilemma that they're experiencing in a way that gives them some room to move, to start yes. to deal with it, right? To, to start to have a new relationship to the problem. And that's what all of these steps are, are doing. These insights into emotional sobriety are to help you achieve a flexibility in your thinking about things. Well, you're moving. That's perfect because you're moving. We're, we're helping people and ourselves when we're doing this move from victim. And that's not victim like, oh, right. like an insult, but just just victim, meaning I am I am I right now I'm I am what I I'm responding to what's happening or I'm reacting to what's happening. But move from victim to problem solver. Yes. And, and in order to have the problems of you have to have that immediately, we use, you know, you use, you, you use it, have, have influenced me to use it more and more the word dis- differentiation. It's like, but the idea, you know, I've been teaching that forever. T- the, the idea is, is it has to be you and the problem, you know, in whatever form so that now I can, now you can work on it. You can't work on it if you're possessed or, or just occupied by the problem. It's so true that that space that that we that we can create between us and the issue we're struggling with mm-hmm. can help us discover these novel solutions to the problem that we're mm-hmm. facing. Uh, whether it be shifting the relationship we have with different parts of ourselves, right? That's the intra-psychic mm-hmm. work. Whether it's mm-hmm. shifting the relationship we have with someone that's in our life, whether it's shifting the relationship we have to life itself and to what happens in the experiences we have. And so it's, it's really, um, it's so powerful. I mean, I, it's, I hope, I think those of you that are listening understand the power of, of now this new state of consciousness, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's really, and Bill Wilson said it, he says, 
this the this new way of thinking works under any condition whatsoever. It's not dependent on anything other than us and our attitude. Right. And, and so that's that is the good news in here. You know, talk about empowerment. This is this is the ultimate sense of empowerment, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because one of the first things any of us can say, I've certainly said it, but it, but other people I hear clients say sometimes is, you know, the, the, the first but that comes up sometimes when we start to talk about helping somebody get in. By the way, the, I think the idea of moving into that problem solver position, even before the, there's any solutions, you know, decided upon or any, any solutions created, we're already better. Because because we're we're in a proactive place we're we're in you know not in control but we're in charge and it's 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 like that piece where um, the the um, it's it's what you said I wrote it down to, me, to our, our changing to to our view of light to our, our relationship to life itself it's it's where it's where psychology becomes philosophy more than anything That's right. it's it's it really is more ph- philosophical and. In, yeah. in nature, it's it really and I love that stuff. And I was gonna say the first but that comes up is people, people will say they're it's normal, it's natural, we say, but you don't understand, yeah. you know, and it's like, and what they mean by that, what any of us mean when we're saying that is what you don't understand this particular situation. You know, and it's like, and that's what I love about what, what you're saying, Bill Wilson said about it. no, no, this actually applies to anything, anyone, any any circumstance. So here's the the situation that came up the other day. So mm-hmm. I have an eight year old, Maddie. You guys know. Mm-hmm. I love Maddie. Maddie a lot. We, love her. Mm-hmm. we talked about the dilemma that Jess and I faced when she was conceived, and the possibility of a genetic uh, abnormality that that we would have had to confront. So um, as you know, we've just moved out here to Pennsylvania to Doylestown. She's actually for the first time in her educational career, as young as it is, she has not struggled with going to school at all. She's loved it. Um, she has two teachers that are bring an incredible attitude about learning. I think the work we did with her to help her with her dyslexia and her attention deficit disorder has given her a lot more confidence. I mean, she just was this, her reading um, achievement was just assessed and she's caught up. I mean, she was two years behind in the work she did oh. last year with the with the tutor that we had hired for her that was a dyslexic specialist had helped her tremendously. Um, so she no longer need, even needs an IEP for that at school, which is great news. So um, Thursday morning, was, no, it was Friday morning. So Friday morning she wakes up and she goes, uh, I'm not really feeling good. I don't want to go to school. I said, what's going on? She goes, well, my belly hurts and my head hurts. And, and I said, well, describe what's going on. And then I started to understand that she was somaticizing her anxiety about going to school. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I called Jess in and I say, said to her, you know, there's something happening. There's something behind her not wanting to go to school. Let's see if we can figure this out. So we started to kind of go into an inquiry with her, right? Hey, you know, what's happening? Is there something going on at school that's, that's, that you're not feeling good about? And she finally came out with it. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I am so uncomfortable with where I'm sitting in the classroom. 
Like is what is it about your that you're uncomfortable with? Well, I don't like the chair. I don't like where it's at. It's uncomfortable when I sit on it. And she started going into all things. I says, well, what do you think you could do about that? She goes, well, I'm afraid of telling the teachers because I think they're going to get mad at me if I tell them I don't like it. And so Mm -hmm. now she's torn between do I just not say what I want because I don't want to upset them because obviously the teachers had something to do with this current arrangement Mm -hmm. versus take care of yourself. It's the classic Mm -hmm. dilemma that we see Mm -hmm. that we all have at our life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I heard her out and Jess heard it out and, um, you know, what, what could we do about that? She goes, well, I, I, I go, so, you know, it sounds like you'd like some support in dealing with this in some way. What would be helpful for you? Um, she goes, I'm not so sure, Dad. Do you have any ideas? I says, well, I could write a little letter and to the teachers and say, put it in your bag that you could give them that would say that you want to talk about this, but you're concerned. You don't want to get them upset with you but that you're really unhappy with where you're sitting. And can they talk to you about how best to deal with this dilemma that you're feeling? Would that be something that would be okay with you? And she goes, yeah, that'd be great. So we sat down and we wrote the letter together. Right. And I wrote First of all, I need to say, I love that because one of the things it does, it leaves, leaves the choice always with her. It's like, she gets, she has the letter. You can use it or you don't use it. It's like, whether she's thinking that way or not, I'm immediately going, you're giving her a new option. Option. It's a tool for support, right? It's a tool for support. So we finished the letter and I wrote out and I really said to the teachers, I said, you know, the real important thing I think here is to talk to her about the dilemma and how she can best take care of herself when she's facing these kinds of dilemmas in the classroom, mm-hmm. specifically around this work, but if other mm-hmm. things come up mm-hmm. in the future. So we wrote it, we sealed it in an envelope, put the teacher's names on it, and uh, put it in her backpack. She got dressed. There was no more. I don't want to go to school. The problem was solved. Mm-hmm. It was dealt with for her. She went outside she, where she always goes, meets the bus. Before I left, I said, how are you doing? She goes, I'm great. She She was no longer alone. She's no longer alone. She was, she was no longer alone. She felt empowered that she could do something about the situation. She got on it. We got a text from the teachers later on. She did turn in the envelope. Mm -hmm. They read it. They talked it over with her. What would you like to do? This is the situation. She says, well, okay, I can deal with it for today. And because the teacher said on Monday, you'll get to choose where you want to sit for the next two weeks. So every two weeks they do a changing around in the classroom to keep things fluid and stuff like that, which I think is cool. That's a great idea. Isn't it? It, By itself. Yeah. 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 We live in a world of assigned seating. I Uh, love the fact that they switch that around. These teachers are the best I've ever seen. That's great. Academically. And that's why this school district's got the reputation it has. But, you know, she came back and I talked to her about it when she came home. How was that? It was great. How did you feel? I said, I, you know, I chose to sit in there and that was okay for today. And I get to pick on Monday and she was feeling great about it. (laughs) So that's the difference between, for me, it was the search with, with Maddie to try to find a way to give her the support she needed. But like you said, Tom, to keep her empowered. Yeah. 
So it wasn't, I, I didn't want to be the bulldozer parent coming in and clearing the path for her and calling the teachers, you know what I mean? And saying, what did yeah. you do? And, you know, why are, why is this going on? Angry with them. I'm not, I, that didn't mm-hmm. even cross my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, what I saw this was is an opportunity to get close to Maddie, to have more intimacy with her and create this ability mm-hmm. to talk about what's going on. And to help her figure out how to deal with these kinds of situations in her life. Yeah. Now, I love the fact that you, I mean, I mean, it's not surprising to me, but it's like, I think it's a really good piece for us to all keep in mind, whether we're dealing with, with helping your child do this or, or keep in mind as you're listening to this, we're also, you know, we're also helping that child inside of us all the time too. So the idea, the idea is the first step there is to tune in to really listen. See, that's, that's, that's the coolest part. It's like, the, you know, what Maddie had there was two parents who, who are, you know, we talk about curiosity a lot. It's like curiosity is not just like idle curiosity. It's like, like, I really want to know what's happening here. That's right. And, uh, and, and, and by the way, being somebody who got, who was sick a lot or felt bad a lot because I was scared to go to school when I was a little guy, it's like, my dad always knew I was, he, he, the way I put it in old days, he always knew I was faking it, but he was always very kind to me, but, but we, we missed that part. We didn't have the part about problem solving. Yeah. So that's so beautiful that you, you guys, but the first step is listening. And that goes to, for other people and to ourselves, listen to yourself carefully. And in the curiosity too, and see, and this is so important in terms of this chapter, the curiosity goes to what is really going on here? See, sometimes it takes a while for me to discover what the real issue is. Mm -hmm. When I'm feeling something, whether it's disappointment, anger, or anything, what that's telling me is that there's something going on here. I'm experiencing something. I'm giving meaning to this experience that I might not even have well articulated in my mind. And like, it it was interesting. I just went through a a situation where I got some clarity on the other day. I was disappointed in this situation, working with these two guys that we're not going to work together anymore. And it wasn't so much the work I was doing with them, it's, that was great. I loved it. And I did, I did a great job. I felt good about it. But it was, it was the disappointment that I had nothing to say about it. Hmm. And what had happened to me was it wasn't so much they could do whatever they want to do. You know, part of me would have liked for them to have the conversation. It wasn't. It was brought to me as a fait accompli. Hmm. And that says more about them than me. I'm, I know that's hmm. to be the case. But what it tied into for me, and I wouldn't have got this, and I was talking to this uh, therapist that I work with, you know, about every other week right now, as it's turning out. But what we got to, it was the disappointment I feel that I have nothing that I can say about it, like when my dad died. Wow. So that just, so why that was so powerful for me, because I kept saying, how come I'm still having so many different feelings about it. Once we put, once she helped me put my finger on that and I started crying about it, yeah, that whole other thing was no longer relevant. Well, clarity, it made sense. Yes, that's right. There it is. That's what happened. And so sometimes solving a problem is staying connected to it and allowing yourself to be open to something emerging either from the forgotten past or from your unconscious. 
and then tying it in. That's what we were talking about on Thursday, right? If I'm feeling something in a situation, one question I can ask, what does this remind me of? Even before that, is this familiar? That's one of my favorite questions to ask myself, other people. Is this familiar? Because if it is, this is exploration, investigation. You know, it's like you you can take a couple of trails that are dead ends before you find the right trail. The idea very often when when emotions are the pain rather than a physical thing, what we do is we tell ourselves we should stop having that pain. Yes. Rather than rather than explore it, investigate it, go underneath it to look for those novel solutions, because that, that's what you're talking that's about. That's going to kill the exploration right there, Tom. Yeah, it, it just turns into it, it turns into another self-criticism, another that's validation true. that there's something bad. There's something bad about me or something wrong with me. You know, it's like it's like, yeah, it stops it. I struggle to uh, find the problem beneath the problem often, but I do relate to the dynamic of writing the letter and kind of doing something to get a toehold on an emotional situation, Um, finding little moments where I can take action and become more of an active participant in what's happening to me and what's vexing me. I think that's, I found that to be a big help. And you're better at that point, right? Where, where the shift happens and you're a participant in it. It's like, just, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the thing. That's the cool thing about the fact that like, we're talking about this, this applies to any number of situations. Like that's the same thing that happens with Maddie when, when the idea is, is given the, first of all, she's asked, you know, and by the way, good, just kudos to you for being this parent that your that your, your child, when you ask her, and she doesn't come up with something she, rather than you just just immediately. And you could have done that anyway, but it would have, would have been probably been fine. But but she, I love the fact that she asked you for your input, yeah. you know, that there's that there's room for her to ask. Yeah. You know, the, the idea is it's not just right there immediately. Yeah. It's you were you were asking her how you could help. And, and she asked you for a suggestion. And I know you well enough to know that if she didn't like that suggestion, you would have kept looking for others. You would have searched for something else that worked yeah. for her. Yeah. So in the book, Patrick, it's been a while since I read that chapter. Did I talk about the experience at the Pantages Theater? You did. I love that story. If you'd like to get back into it. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I I just think that that's another example. And it goes to this point here about um, that Tom just brought up is that if I get busy criticizing myself, faulting myself for what I should have done and all those things, I will not discover any kind of novel solution. We shut ourselves down. We just, I'll be shut down. I'll just Mm -hmm. be feeling bad about myself. And, and to be able to access the parts of my brain that can help me solve this, I can't be getting into this self-flagellation, right? You know, I'm such a bad person, right? You know, I'm terrible. I'm so stupid and stuff. Now I, I will admit that, that when I, well, let me tell the story and that and then you'll yeah, see yeah, that, it, that yeah. there were things that I did that were not very thoughtful and that 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 I didn't really look at at certain issues that would have prevented the situation. And I'm glad I didn't because I would have not had this story to tell if I mm-hmm. if I didn't get myself into trouble. So that's the great thing is that in the, that's the thing we learn in recovery, that we see how our own issues and our own struggles can be of value to someone else if we learn from them. And that's a big part of what recovery is, is we share the wisdom that we gain from making our mistakes. 
That's you, you can almost summarize recovery in, in that sentence. But let me tell you about this one. So um, back to Maddie. Maddie's a real source of a lot of wisdom. She's helping me grow up a lot. So, um, well, well, the universe knew you needed a lot of help. And still, so, so they, they, they said, who do, we, who do we have back there? Well, we got we Maddie. It's like, let's put her in. <laughs> That's right. Let's get her off the bench and put her in the game. So she came in. She's the, she's the sixth person on the, on the bench, right? So she comes in. And so we, we, we go to these great events. I mean, one of the things I'm going to miss about L.A., but they, they have a fair amount of it out here. We're just discovering it. But they have these cool things like at the Pasadena Playhouse, they did these things like the Beauty and Beast and Christmas and mm-hmm. Peter Pan and Christmas. And so they take mm-hmm. the story, the wonderful fairy tale, right? And they tweak it and put it into the context of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so we started going to these things when she was two years old. And it's one of these things where they encourage the kids to, to stand up in the aisles and dance and, and to boo the villains and cheer the, the heroes and, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's, they do a phenomenal job. I want to go. It's me too. I listen, I'm, <laughs> I'm missing that. This year. Um, so um, we've had so much fun at those things. I said, God, I'd like to take her on something that would have even, you know, more spectacular presentation and stuff. And I love the Pantages Theater for that reason. And so it's down in Hollywood and they do some great productions down there. I've seen many great productions there. So um, Wicked came and I thought, well, this is a bit of a stretch for a kid who's almost four, but you know, I think that she'll enjoy the costumes and the whole story and stuff like that. So I get these tickets. It's a hard ticket to buy. I get it through StubHub. I think these tickets are like 700 bucks each or 750 bucks each. They're not the best. I mean, the best tickets are like 1500 but you know that the scalpers get a hold of these things and they make them. I know it. A whole I different mean, subject. Man, I mean, God, <laughs> you know, Rolling Stones tickets, you know. Front row, $5,000 or something like that or or more. I mean, so, you know, I I splurge because it's our Christmas present for the family. So me, Jess, and and Maddie going on in a Pantages, we're all dressed up. She's in her little red velour Christmas dress. And, you know, I have decent pants on and a nice shirt and jacket. (laughs) We're 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 going to have our family outing, right? And we walk up to the door. We get there early. Cause you know, we want to sit and enjoy the people and stuff. And we're about 20 minutes early and hand the lady the tickets. And she looks at me and she goes, I thought she was going to say, God, your daughter looks so cute in that red dress. She goes, no, that wasn't it. My, my spidey senses weren't working that day. She goes, I'm sorry, sir. There's a problem. And I go, Oh no, did I get the dates wrong? Right. So then I start to think what happened. I go, what's that? She goes, well, she goes, how old is your daughter? And I start to go, okay, I got a sense where this might be going. I go, she's almost four. She goes, I thought she was that age. She goes, here's the problem is that each company that comes in sets their own age in terms of what the age of the children that would be appropriate for this play. The age for this play was set at five years old. And so your daughter's too young and I'm not going to be able to let you in. 
And I'm thinking to myself, oh, shit. <laughs> and then I said, well, God, where would where would I have been able to see that? Because I'm going to try to manipulate it a little bit and see mm-hmm. if I can say, hey, you know, come on. There wasn't a sign across the thing. I didn't have a chance. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Good. And she goes, well, I, it wasn't it wasn't you'd have to really search for it, you know, under it's not in big print at all. But I still can't let you in. <laughs> I mean, so that wasn't going to work. I said, okay, so now I'm in new acceptance, even though I'm not liking it, but I can see I'm not getting. And by the way, I, I, one of the things I like about this story is it shows about your, your, your recovery up to that point that you got there as quickly as you did to that place. Yes. Oh yeah. I, I do. I seriously, seriously. That. That's, I would, that's a big deal. Years ago, I would have thrown a, <laughs> where's your manager? And I, da, 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 I mean, <laughs> you know, and made the situation much worse. Mm-hmm. So as I took my breath, I said, okay, well, so can I go ahead and get a refund then? Mm-hmm. She goes, well, that's the second part of the bad news. <laughs> What's that? She goes, well, you bought these tickets from a third-party vendor, StubHub. We only give refunds to those tickets that are bought directly from Pantages Theater. Right. I go, okay. So I turn to Jess and I go, uh-oh. <laughs> I go... I don't think we're going to, I'm going to be able to stand out here and sell these things. So I saw a Starbucks across the street. I go, I'm so sorry. Why don't we go grab a cup of coffee and decide what we want to do? We, you know, we got $2,000 worth of tickets in our hands. Right? <laughs> so we go across the street, we get in a line. I'm clearly disappointed, but I'm not really doing the, you should have's on myself. I just, nice. it was unfortunate. You know, the word I use in my consciousness now more than ever is this is unfortunate, not unfair, mm-hmm. but unfortunate mm-hmm. because unfortunate has a less of a victim ring to it in my. Well, it's just I know I've heard you say that before and I love and, I, you know, of course, you know, I'm, I'm picky about, you know, I think language can really make a difference if we use it. Right. And it's like I love that. That's it. The, the, just changing the word reframes the circumstance. It did. It really does. And it, it allows me to stay in relationship to it a lot better. So mm-hmm. we're standing in line. I got these three tickets. I hate for them to go to waste. There's about 10 minutes before the play starts. I see this guy. Standing there, a gentleman in his 30s, middle-aged. Well, middle-aged. Now today, it's not middle-aged, but 50 <laughs> is middle-aged nowadays. But, you know, he's in his 30s. He's, I think he's with his wife mm-hmm. and, and then with his teenage daughter. And there's mm-hmm. three of them. And I go, I got three tickets. So I walk up. I said, Jess, I'll be right back. I got an idea. And I walk over to them and I say, look, and I tell them this story about we can't get in. Maddie's too young. There's these three tickets. I don't want anything for them. If you can use them, that would be the thanks that I have. I just hate to see them go to waste. He accepts them graciously. We go back in line. They huddle together, and then they come over to us. Mm -hmm. And they say, do you mind if I share with you what these mean to us? And I said, no, of course. We'd love to hear. He goes, I am one of those workers. I work on oil rigs that are off the shore. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be flying down to, to Texas um, tomorrow, and I'm going to be gone for six months. Mm-hmm. My wife and I got divorced about six months ago. My daughter said the one thing she wanted for Christmas was tickets to go see Wicked, and mm-hmm. I couldn't get them. They were all sold out, but they told us, come on down and get in line, and maybe you know mm-hmm. some people cancel and we'll be able to sell you tickets. Well, nobody canceled. We weren't able to get in. 
he goes, so I can't tell you Mm -hmm. what this means to me. And he starts to cry. His daughter's crying. It turns out to be his girlfriend's with him. She goes, this is like a gift from, you know, heaven. I mean, she goes, this is amazing. They walk away. Jess and I look at each other and we simultaneously said, that was the best money we spent for Christmas. It was the best gift that we could have been given is to be able to do this for someone, feel good about it. And it grew out of this mistake that was made Mm -hmm. out of this, you know, what would have been a catastrophe. And had I not kept my awareness, see, had I been into self-pity, I would have never seen that couple standing there. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have seen, I would have been so focused on myself I would have lost my connection and my awareness to the environment around. Oh, any any number of ways you could be self-absorbed. Again, this goes to the pan back kind of position. It's like, it's like not, 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 not disconnected from it, but, but stand back far enough to where you have a, you have a a picture that you can kind of watch the bigger picture and see it develop. And it's like, yeah. And I cry every, I've heard that story a couple of times and read it in your book. And, and I, and I, and I have a tear, I have a tear every time I hear it. I love the power of that story. So powerful. And it's so appreciative. And once again, it's just what you said, Tom, I never thought about the pan back, but that is what mm-hmm. it is, isn't it? It's a pan back mm-hmm. is what I was able to do by not, by not imploding by Mm -hmm. not turning against myself, by not beating myself up for the mistake. It was a mistake. I made the mistake. I did get to finally take responsibility for it. So that's why I didn't need to blame. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you neither imploded or exploded, you know, exactly. because that being, being somebody who also has a history of exploding, it's like, it's, it's the same, it's still self-absorption. You know, it's, it's, it's like either one is destructive and, you know, I always want people to know that self self blame and blaming other people is, is equally, you know, useless. Yes. Right. You know, responsibility is not the same thing as blame. You talk about uh, left hemisphere of the brain is the ivory tower mentality, right? The binary. And then the right side of the brain is the visceral, the emotional living between those two poles. Right. That's kind of what you're trying well, to do. You know, it's, it's interesting is that the brain does there's there's certain functions that are localized. There was a lot of research that was done where they split the right and left half of the brain. Can you look that up, Patrick? See, there's a bundle of fibers in our. It sounds like something from Dan Siegel. <laughs> I know. Well, it is. It, 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 <laughs> is it? You know, he's he's continued this work, but this work started a long time ago. I mean, I mean, Dan Dan Siegel is a he's he's I mean, what is he? He's everything. He's a psychotherapist. He's a he's a, 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 neuro, a neuroscientist. He's a neurologist. He's yeah, a neurologist. but every time I've heard him speak, he he, he I cannot. I, I'm not smart enough to repeat what. He said, but I, but I always I always feel like he explains to me why therapy works. So this corpus callosum, when it's split, now the brains, because typically there's so much communication that goes back and forth between these two, you can't tease out what's going on in the right and left hemisphere. But after this procedure is done, you can actually present something to one hemisphere, and the other hemisphere doesn't know anything about it. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they would they go ahead and they have this split thing where only information is going left, say, to the left hemisphere. The right hemisphere doesn't get any of the information because this bundle of fibers is this corpus callosum is mm-hmm. now has been cut. Right. Um, so 
What they found, if you're right-handed, the left hemisphere is involved in things that I talk about in the book. It's analytical. It's where language is housed. It's where our, our, our linear thinking is involved, right? It's that part of us, right? The right hemisphere turns out to be the opposite of that. It's more spatial. We think in terms of gestalts. We see the whole picture, right? It's those things. So it's mm -hmm. kind of, it's nonlinear. It's almost a circular, circular mm -hmm. reasoning, right? A nonlinear mm -hmm. reasoning. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that both of these sides of the brain have important information given certain situations. Sometimes it's important to look at a situation from a linear point of view. Other times it's important to look at it from mm -hmm. This larger point of mm -hmm. view that like the pan back that Tom just mm -hmm. talked about. Mm -hmm. The pan back, that's a right hemisphere function. Being able to pan mm -hmm. back and look that's at that bigger yeah. picture, right? That's what the right hemisphere is doing. The left hemisphere is, is totally focused down on yeah. looking at the details of the whole mm -hmm. thing and what they mean. But the right hemisphere will stand back and put it in a big context. The right hemisphere gives meaning to things. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting if we're stuck in one hemisphere or the other, we lose important information. Mm -hmm. You know, if I keep trying to solve it this way and think about the problem as a linear problem and, and it's not responsive, I need to be able to shift my cognitive set, right? The way I'm looking at the situation and look at it from another point of view and see if I can take it on. Well, that's that whole thing about this cognitive flexibility and what people are trying to do in terms of mindfulness and stuff is being able to shift your mindsets like that. And yeah. so you could hear in both of these examples, like with Maddie, the first example, I was a bit more linear about it. She was having a distress. I knew there was something underneath it. So that was kind of linear walking through it. Let's identify it and solve it that way. The other situation, when I said, hey, I'm just going to let go of this situation, they're not going to let me in. I got to accept it as it is. Let's just stay open to what might surface. That was more right hemisphere mm -hmm. solution. Yeah. So we're going to be moving back and forth. But I gave great examples in the book about that shifting, you know, so mm -hmm. I really encourage people to read it about mm -hmm. it because mm -hmm. it is important is to realize if you're struggling with something, just just back off for a minute. You know, but to see, that's the big thing is sometimes we need to let go of having everything solved right now. Right. In the book, right. you quote William Blake, um, if the fool would persist in his folly, he would become wise. What is that? Can you unpack that for me? Because I, well, it sounds my, all my all my ex examples, especially my example with what happened at, uh, you know, with the Pantages Theater. But you could take my my recovery. I mean, leading up to my recovery, man, and I'm still going to make a lot of mistakes. And, you know, what I would say, stay tuned because you'll mm -hmm. learn more and more from Alan's mistakes as he lives his life and, yeah. and hopefully learns from them. Yeah. Yeah. That's like that's like one of the things I've, I've always said about about people in our business, especially people who are teachers about this stuff. As I say, you know, don't I don't ever trust anyone who 
who has the attitude of like, you know, I, yes, I was screwed up a long time ago and I can yeah. teach you, That's you know, right. it's like, and what I say is, is the advantage that we have is if we need an example of how we fuck something up, yeah, we, we don't have to have a very good memory. We just, I <laughs> tell you, I just think back to this morning, you know, <laughs> I, I do love that about you, Tom. I, I do think that that attitude that you bring to our work, to your clients work mm. and just to the recovery community is so refreshing. Well, thank you. That it's, we don't what, what, need to be more than ourselves. We well, no, and I think one of the things I, t- I talk to, pe- to other people who, who were working, if I'm helping somebody who's wanting to write something on self-help nature or stuff is, is one of the things that, that really became a motivator for me. And it's, there's a bit of an ego thing involved in it. I think, I don't think, I, you know, I think, I, I think, you know, the ego is not always horrible. It's, it's, is, was that, you know, and this is still the case, but I mean, especially times where I think I was really struggling a lot more. It's like, it's like where as soon as, as soon as I could find a way to write it down and make some sense out of it, where it might be help when that once I was well into my career doing this stuff is, and and I could see that what I had screwed up the day before the week before could actually be useful, not only to me, but to somebody else, I felt better. You know, it, it felt like it, it really, you know, we often say, you know, we're just doing field research, you know, we're out here living our lives. And it's like, but it really is true is, is if we don't, if we don't apply this, you know, it, it, and basically if somebody doesn't apply, if you don't practice what you preach, basically, yeah. I don't trust you, you know, and I think, and I think that's one, and that's one of, and talk about self-respect. That's one of the main things that uh, is the, the, uh, you know, that's that's one of the main ways we measure ourselves at the end of the day. And not not how you know how much how much help did I give to other people, but how, what did I learn today? That's right. Yeah. You laugh at yourself I, a lot, um, and I think that's important too, right? And and you discuss that in yeah. the book, um, I, especially in the context of right hemisphere, left hemisphere, mm-hmm. is that the uh, the left brain right is more of the binary strict. Mm-hmm. kind of uh, all or nothing way of looking at things. So that's the, the right half needs to keep some air in it and laugh and kind of prod. Mm-hmm. In, right. That's kind of and, the dynamic. And they're both valuable. See, and they're both valuable is like, mm-hmm. don't, I don't want anybody to ever think that just one is more valuable than the other. They, we need both of those abilities to function well. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all hands on deck. And that's mm-hmm. the work that we do with the intrapsychic process is to bring all those different parts of you into harmony. Every part of you can be functional at certain times. You just need the executor in there making the decisions about when, which part is necessary or not. Right. And, Absolutely. You know, we just need that person that, that, that wise self, the Yoda, my, mm-hmm. my internal Yoda, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, to come out and say, okay, now, you know, you need to right hemisphere for a while. Let go mm-hmm. of the left hemisphere, you know, things like that. Well, it's, it's, and I don't have this, this, this will be, this will be conversation for future episodes, but, but, but recently I've, because of some work I'm doing with, a, with a couple of different clients and, 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 understanding and how putting it in terms of how I think about my, my own consciousness, this whole idea of the multiplicity of consciousness that I've been working on writing about since the, since 1990 is 
I'm ha- I, I think I'm ha- I think I'm coming up on some more insights about it. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's like it really is about kind of how to manage the multiplicity of ourselves. It's it's uh, you know I. I had a, I, I always like to tell the story when I was, I was, do, I was doing a, a workshop for a pesky healthcare one time and, and had some pretty eggheady uh, uh, people uh, in the, uh, I, I usually say psychologists, but you know, my, you know, present company excluded maybe, <laughs> but, but they, this one guy said, he said, you're, he, he, he spoke up and said, he said, it, it sounds like what you're doing is you're, you're making everyone you talk to help or try to help a, a multiple personality disorder. And what I, and I was, and I was, I was, I was, I was proud of both my f- smart ass response and my actual response. My smart ass response was, well, yeah, but that's good for business. And, and, and everybody in the room did think that was funny, except for that guy. It's like, but, but, but the, and, and, and he came around, but, um, but the other response was, yeah, I'm, I am telling people they're multiple personality. I'm just leaving off the disorder. It's, you know, this is not the same as any a dissociative disorder. This is a matter of the fact that there are so many different aspects of ourselves. Yeah. And the more we can learn about how it works and how we can be in charge and how we can find the part of, and that's what emotional sobriety I think is, Alan, is, 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 is being able to live from that part of us, that authentic part of us that is the hub of the wheel that is in charge. And where we feel, where I feel distressed, I'm, I'm usually can find out that I'm caught in one of the, the other, or the other so-called personalities and, and, and kind of lost there and not able, not, not able to, to, to access the, the control panel, you know, for that. So it's, it's, it's amazing how much there is still to learn. Yeah. And I, and these conversations help me keep doing that. No, there is so much to learn and that's the exciting part about this. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Show. I love this. I love this chapter. I love that story. I'm so glad you you told it today. That's such a. It's just such a beautiful. Besides being educational in terms of what we're talking about, and what you're teaching with your book, it's just a beautiful story. And it's and and it's it's it's. I think it's a nice Christmas story, and it's uh, uh you know and 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 it just makes me feel good. A good seasonal touch and. Um, mm-hmm. Next week, we're going to be discussing breaking the bonds of perfectionism, which I'm really looking forward to because I feel very shackled by that, I think, in most of what I do. So this will be good. Good. Sounds great. Thank you. Until next time. Peace out. Tinge your life. Tinge your myth. Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Then with glass in hand and children on one knee, bring some stories. Bring your stories back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us, my old friends Till it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me